You're listening to the teaching ministry of Discovery Church in Bristol, Tennessee. For more information about Discovery, or for more free audio content, please visit discoverybristol.com. Yeah, so last night was awesome, right? I got my Disciple Concert t-shirt. Last night I wore my Discovery t-shirt, and so today I thought it made sense to wear my Disciple shirt. Uh, it was great. It was this awesome concert, and it was neat because all this came about uh, because our, our hope here is to help people discover Jesus and their place in his story. And so about a year ago, Mark Woods came and he's like, hey, I want to tell you about this band. And I want to tell you about the impact it's made on my life and my daughter's life. And we'd love to bring him here. And so it was awesome to see last night. It was a culmination of Mark finding his place in God's story and hearing all these people touched by Jesus. And so it was an awesome night. So thank you to all the volunteers, to Chris and Mark for putting this together, to everyone. There was a lot of people stayed here late. Um, I left about midnight, and there were still people here working. Um, And so I am hopped up on a Mountain Dew. And so in the back, they're like, this is going to be a crazy message. You're going to be talking fast. So uh, I'm excited this week we were talking about uh, in our house about this video that we have of Zinni Grace, uh, our one-year-old. And there was this moment that uh, a few months ago, and we got this video, and I want to post it on social media, but Sarah's like, child services are going to come after us. And so, so she won't let me post it. But um, we were just hanging out in the house and playing music. We had pans and pots, you know how it is, uh, and they're banging, and they get flipped over, and Zinni Grace finds herself sitting in one of these pots. Well, uh, it's not the one of the largest pots. It was a smaller pot, and she got stuck, all right? And so the great dad that I am, and her being the fourth child, I just got out my camera instead of getting her out of the pot, right? And it was like, first one, I probably would have been like, oh, take care of her, and, and probably wanted to bang pots. By the fourth one, I'm like, whatever. You know, it's, she's safe, and uh, at least she's contained, and it'll be easier to watch her. And so I got out my camera, and I film it. And so we got a little clip of it, and you'll see the rage that comes upon her. Thanks, you finally get that? All right. All right. Yeah, so she can't speak yet, all right? She, she can say mama, dada, um, but I, we'll show it one more time, and I'm pretty sure she has her own language of swear words that you'll, you'll discover, all right? So this, this is what we have in store for us ahead. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was, hey, dad, beep, 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 all right? And so, luckily, it's censored already because it's baby talk. But, um, and so, we're, we're watching this video, and it made me think about this week, all right? So, we're going through the book of Ruth. And if you were with us last week, you saw we introduced it. It's this four-chapter book. It's an awesome book in the Old Testament. Uh, short, compact, but so deep, so full of meaning, so full of theological understanding, so full of reality involving death, disappointment, sin, consequences, joy, m- marriage, birth of a child, all these things that we go through, and we see this in this little four-chapter book. But today, we're going to get to the second part of chapter one. If you have your Bibles, open it to chapter one. We'll have it up on the screen, bring it up on your app. But you're going to see Naomi stuck, much like Zinni Grace, that she's stuck in this place of life, that she's stuck and she's angry. She's stuck because her husband's dead, her, her boys are dead. She, she's stuck with his daughter-in-law, uh, a Moabite daughter-in-law that she doesn't know what to do with. She's stuck far away from, from God's chosen land, from God's chosen people. She's stuck in this place of bitterness, she's stuck in this place of anger. Anger towards probably her husband for dragging her away. 
Maybe angry at the boys for dying. Angry at God. And she's stuck. And she just wants to cry out and she just wants to, to look up and just holler at God. And complain and say, where are you in this? How did you let this happen? How am I in this place? And this is where we're going to pick up is Naomi. It's like this little scene of Zenny Grace. Just stuck, not able to get out. And all she can do is just turn and yell. To complain that she's bitter. And we're going to see this very real, very authentic place. This very raw, emotional place that Naomi's at. That we've all been there. I don't know about you, I know I've been there at least. Times that I just kind of stuck in, in frustration, stuck in a hard situation, stuck in depression, stuck in anger. Anger towards, I don't know, sometimes you just wake up and you're just like, I don't know, I just feel angry. But sometimes angry, maybe even angry at God. And that's where Naomi finds herself. Like I said last week, this book is an amazing book because it's one that we can relate to. It's the story of Ruth, it's the story of Boaz, it's the story of Amimelech. It's the story of Naomi. It's our story. It's a story we can relate to. And today, we're gonna, many of us are going to be able to relate to being stuck. That you just want to turn and yell and say things that hopefully people don't understand. And, and just cry out to God and say, I'm bitter because I've been dealt a bad blow. And that's where we're going to pick up with Naomi today. If you weren't here last week and you're not familiar with the book, I'll tell you very quickly, the first seven verses of the book of Ruth uh, covers the story of Amimelech. It's a, a, a Jewish man that leads his family away. There's a famine in the, in the land of Israel. And a famine means that they're not getting food, that there isn't rain. But a famine also means that there's a spiritual hunger. That there's a spiritual time when people have drawn away from God and so he has removed his blessing. That instead of the land flowing with milk and honey, he has removed that and he's caused a drought, which has caused a famine, to bring the people back, to get their awareness, to make them wake up. And instead of doing so, instead of realizing his own sin, instead of returning to God, Elimelech runs away. He takes his family and he flees to Moab. Moab's a neighboring country. It's a country that uh, the Israelites and the Moabites have been fighting for, for years. It's a country that the Israelites have just recently assassinated the king, the king of Moab. It's two groups of people that don't love each other, don't even like each other. In fact, hate each other. It's a group of people that you don't want to go associated with. And he would rather go there. He would rather live there as a foreigner. He'd rather be able to go and not own any land, to go and have a low-income job, to go and, and be this, in this, a foreigner in this land that, that everyone hates than to face up with the consequences of his turning away from God and his nation turning away. So he goes away and he takes Naomi and his two boys with him. And sometime in the time they're in Moab, Elimelech dies. And the boys, who are now leading the family, decide to stay. <clears throat> Excuse me. For ten years they stay in this land of an un ungodly people. For ten years they stay, and then eventually one son passes away, and Naomi holds on to the other son, but he dies as well. Both of those sons have been married to Moabite women. They haven't been able to have any kids. So now here's Naomi with two Moabite daughter-in-laws, alone and stuck. She hears word that, the, that, that God has blessed Israel again and brought food. And so we pick up uh, in verse 6. 
we pick up in verse 6 and 7 uh, of the first chapter. It says, When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughter-in-laws prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-laws, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. She's returning back to her God. She hears that there's food again and Maybe she's been looking for this opportunity for 10 years. Maybe this was always the plan with her and Imelech. When the, when the waters come back, when the rain come back, we'll go back. Maybe she's just been waiting and she finally has the opportunity because she's in charge. And she's been wanting to come back to God. I don't know what the background is, why she makes this choice, but she decides to go back. That was a big statement. It was a big decision, a bold one. Because she knows that she could come back. Under the wings of the Lord. This word shub we looked at last week where it means to return, but also means to return to God's grace, to return to his mercy. And I love this and this scene that we're about to cover over the next few verses uh, over the rest of this chapter because she returns to God, but her heart is still angry. Her heart is still broken. Her heart is still bitter. And I love that because it's a great reminder to us that even if we're in this place that we're struggling, we can still go to God. Even if we're in this place where we're hurt, there's no better place for us to go get healing than under the hands and the wings of the Lord. And so she's hurting, she's struggling, she's bitter, but she knows she needs to go back. Even though she's angry at that God for allowing all this to happen, And in her eyes, she feels that some of it is her fault. She's struggling with the consequences that if we hadn't moved to Moab, would all of this have happened? She's struggling with the guilt, but she knows she needs to come back to God. And so here she comes, back to the Lord. And so we pick up uh, where we left off last week, now on to verse 8, chapter 1 of the book of Ruth. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find, re- will find rest in the home of another husband. She encourages them to go back. There's no reason for them to come with her. It's believed that she, Naomi is probably in her 40s here, and so the daughter-in-laws are probably in their mid-20s, still at an age where they could get married, still at an age where maybe they could have kids of their own. And so she encourages them to go back. And it seems like a normal thought, and it might be. But as I was reading one commentary, it pointed out, perhaps this was another way that Naomi was trying to get rid of her guilt. Because to come back with a daughter-in-law from Moab would show everybody what you've brought. To show everybody that during that 10 years, we weren't following God's covenant. During that 10 years, we weren't following his plan. And, And our boys married outside of the Israelite people. So to bring back these daughter-in-laws would be letting everyone know, yeah, this past 10 years, we've not been walking with the Lord. This past 10 years, we haven't been obeying his covenant law. And so, so maybe this was out of care for Orpha and, and Ruth. Maybe this was out of care for herself. But she tries to dissuade them from going back because these are two Moabite women. I shared a little bit about uh, Moab, and, and it's, it's an arch enemy of Israel, but Moab is from the descendants of Lot, Abraham's nephew, but not in a good way. 
It was from Moab. It was the son of Lot and an ancestral relationship with his oldest daughter. From the beginning, this country wasn't set up. This group, this people group wasn't set up for success, wasn't set up for moral and ethnic purity, ethnic purity. And so, so this group, this Moabites, they're looked down on by the Israelites. They're despised. They're enemies. They have a checkered past. People that when you bring them back to Israel, it's not someone that you're proud of. It's not someone you're flaunting. These Moabite daughter-in-laws. And so the passage continues. Verse 11 says, But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons? Who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grow up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. It's more bitter for me. You're going to see that term used again as Naomi describes herself. And not bitter as in like she's a bitter old woman, you know, the lady that's yelling, get off my lawn to the neighborhood kids, and she's watching the Weather Channel all the time and just complaining, right? She's not that old, bitter, that type. She's bitter because of life has been bitter. Life has dealt her some horrible blows. I, we just see the glimpse of what this past 10 years has been like in, in the death of her husband and her boys. And we don't know how bad life was to even send them to Moab before. They were starving. They were struggling to make it, struggling to survive. Life has been bitter. Life has been hard. But where has been God? She feels like he doesn't care. It says that the Lord's hand has turned against me. That there's times that we feel like that, that, that even though it's just the life is hard because of the consequences of sin, not because of our sin necessarily, just because of the sin of mankind, that death is in the scene, that hardships are in the scene, that working and toiling and all these things are hard because of just mankind. But she sees it that God has turned against her. She's bitter. She tries to dissuade them from coming. I don't know if you can relate to that. There's times where it just seems like we can't get a break. It just seems like life is hard. Maybe it's a season that you've been in the past that it was just hard. Maybe it's a moment you're in now that just seems bitter. And so she cries out to them, don't come. Go get yourself a husband. Don't rely on me. The Lord's turned against me. I'm bitter. This has been hard. Can't you see my life? Why would you follow me? Why would you follow this God? The passage continues. Verse 14. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi. Your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. This gives you a glimpse of the heart of Naomi, how angry she is, how hurt she is, that she would encourage her to go back to another god. Go back to your own god. Go back to the Moabite god. Just go. Leave me alone. You don't want to be with me. 
because what I'm going through isn't easy. She's saying, why don't you guys go back and have an easier life? You'll get a husband. You'll have kids. Go back to the home of your mother, it says. Basically saying, go back to where it's safe. Go back to where you know everything is okay. Go back to what the world has to offer. But there's an equation here, a decision that they have to face. Go back to what the world has to offer, but not have Yahweh. Or go with Naomi to the land of Yahweh and possibly not have what the world has to offer. Because she's saying, I can't, guarantee, I can't give you another child. You're not going to have a husband. You're not going to have children. You're not going to have an easy life if you come with me. But they know why she's going back is they're going to have God. They know why that she's going back. And there had to have been conversations when they say, why don't you stay here with us? We'll take care of you, Naomi. Come stay at my family's home. We'll take care of you into your old age. And she says, no, I'm going to go back to the land of my God. He has blessed my people. And even though I'm angry, I know that's where I need to be. And so she's had these conversations, I'm sure. And so they see, and they, she gives this option. And Orpha decides to take the ways of the world, the easy route. But Ruth clings on. Even though there's no promise of a husband, no promise of children, no promise of prosperity, there is a promise of Naomi's God. And so Ruth chooses the cost of discipleship. Ruth chooses the cost of no promises. Ruth chooses the cost of no guaranteed, perfect, easy life, but a life with the Lord. And so we get to that. In verse 15, Naomi says, look, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn my back from you. And then this famous line, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there, I will be buried. May though the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. It's a beautiful illustration that she's heard the cost of discipleship. Naomi tried to dissuade her from coming, but she's heard also about this God, about Yahweh. Maybe it was the stories that she heard, maybe Elimelech and the boys, maybe Naomi did tell about the God of their homeland. Maybe she's heard it when she was growing up about the God of the neighboring country. Maybe she just heard it from Naomi when Naomi has been convinced that she needs to go back, even if she's bitter. Something along the way has convinced Ruth to follow this God. And so together they head out. It says, so the two women went on until they came to, the, to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman exclaimed, can this be Naomi? She's been gone for 10 years. Imagine the physical change, gray hair probably, lots of wrinkles. Life has been hard. But more so, they're wondering, this can't be Naomi, can it? Where's Elimelech? Where's her boys? This isn't the family that she left with. Is this Naomi? Who's this stranger? Who's this Moabite that's with her? And the whispers begin, and they begin to wonder, and they begin to, to guess, who is this person that's with her? What happened to the husband? What happened to those cute little kids? 
and she's back. Seems like Naomi, but there's something different about her. And Naomi knows that as well. Because she says, don't call me Naomi. She told them, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Naomi, the word, the name means, as we talked about last week, that names mean a lot. And the word Naomi means pleasantness, means sweetness. And she's saying, you can't call me that anymore. Call me Mara because I am bitter. Mara means bitterness. And I wonder if she wasn't thinking back to the Passover Seder. We have, uh, we're going to do something kind of strange today, and I hope you'll bear with me. But the ushers are going to pass forward. If you guys want to go ahead, there is, uh, their communion trays are coming, and this isn't normal communion. We're, there's a cracker. If you guys want to go ahead, there's a cracker and a, and a bitter dip. And I want you guys to dip your cracker in it. Don't get too much, all right, of the, of the dip. But then hold on to it, and we're going to take this together. Because I wonder if this was a reference that Naomi was talking about. When she says bitter, if she was remembering the Passover dinner. If she's remembering the Seder feast, and throughout the Seder feast, all the Jews would come together once a year, and they would have this meal that would remind them of their escape from the slavery uh, in Egypt. And there's, very, there's multiple parts of this meal, and each one is symbolic. For example, there's a time where you take parsley, and you dip it into salt water and taste it, and it reminds you of the, of the tears that were shed under the captivity of the Egyptians. And then part of the meal is when you partake of the bitter herbs. See, there's part of the meal where everyone goes and they take uh, the bitter herbs and you would take a bread or you would take a, a leaf and you would dip it into this bitter herbs. And then it was tradition that someone would ask the, the leader of the Passover, why do we partake of the bitter herbs? And the leader would say, to remind us of the bitterness and the hardship the Egyptians put upon us. To remind us of how bitter we were, of how life was giving us hard blows, how life was a struggle, how it was a time when we felt like we were distant from God, where we wondered, where are you, God, as the Egyptians were pressing down on us? Where are you, God, as life was bitter? Is this what Naomi was referring to when she says, call me Mara, for I am bitter? This group of ladies at the city gate that have surrounded Naomi and surrounded Ruth. What did they hear? Did they hear their old friends say, no longer call me sweet, no longer call me pleasant. But you know how the Jews were bitter from the Egyptians? This is how I feel. You know how it felt like that we were reminded at Passover that the, the, the Jews felt like they were all alone in the land of Egypt. You know how they were reminded of their, their hardships and their struggles and, and their pain. And life had blow after blow after blow of difficulty. And how horrible this was in the captivity of the Egyptians. How horrible it was in slavery. That's my name. Because that's how I feel. Just bitter. And so at Passover, they would partake of the bitter herbs to remind them of that moment. To remind them of this time when in the past when, they were, when their lives were bitter. But for Naomi, 
It's the present. And so if you will, I think everyone has one. If you'll, yeah, I need one too. That's right. Thank you. Thanks a lot. All right. Okay, all right. So together, let's partake and remember the bitterness that they went through. Okay. <clears throat> For the Jews, this was they would do at Passover to remember the past. This time that the, their ancestors were bitter. But for Naomi, this is the present. For you, as you partake that cracker and that horseradish, what does it remind you? The time from the past when life seemed hard? Maybe of the present. But I want to share with you the next verse as we close out this passage. The next verse says, So Naomi returned from Moab. Accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. The first verse of this chapter told us there was a famine in the land. And now the last verse tells us the harvest has begun. Things are changing. Things are changing in the land physically, but things are changing spiritually. God is upon the land, and the people have returned to him. And things are changing, going to be changing in Naomi as well. And I love this, that all throughout the rest of the chapter, what do her friends call her? What does the town of Bethlehem call her? Naomi. They don't call her bitter. The community comes around and still calls her pleasant. The, the community still comes around her and calls her sweet. Because there's going to be a change. And so this verse is significant, that there's a change in Israel. There's a change that's foreshadowing that there's going to be a change in Naomi. And I share that, that there's going to be a change for us. That if you're going through this bitterness, this hard time, your life situations might not change. Naomi still doesn't have her husband and her two boys. But she's going to see God's hand is still upon her, still surrounding her. The, Jesus represents many of the festivals and many of the, the, the uh, great events in the Jewish calendar. And one of those is Passover. Passover occurs at the, at the barley harvest, the first harvest of the year, the barley harvest that we talk about. This is the first one of the year, and there's something called the first fruits. And there's this great celebration that they would have these first fruits. And it was the first cutting of the wheat. And they would go and they would dedicate this to the Lord because this was to, to remind them that the Lord had blessed them. That the first fruits to remind them that the Lord had brought rain and the Lord had grown these crops. And the Lord is going to supply them with food. And the Lord has cared for them. The Lord has remembered them. The Lord has been faithful to them as they have returned to him. And I want to share with you a verse as we look that the barley harvest is here. The, the harvest that Jesus fulfills. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. And for as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. You might still have that bitter taste in your mouth. But right now we're going to go into the time of communion. We take communion every week to remind us of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. 
And as you partake of the bread and the grape juice, I bet it will never be sweeter than it is today. As it masks the bitter flavor you have in your mouth.